Hi, I'm Naomi Murphy and this is the Locked Up Living podcast where we talk with a wide range of people about harsh aspects of institutional life. We also explore some of the ways to overcome them and to grow and develop. I'm David Jones. So join us every Wednesday morning, six o'clock UK time for a fresh podcast. So today we have two guests, Caroline Purvey and her son Daniel Wood. Caroline has dedicated over a decade to creating a unique, sustainable, cost-effective programme to eradicate unnecessary suffering from stress, overwhelm and trauma. She's the founder of the Total Release Experience programme, which has transformed the lives of men, women and children globally. Caroline is author of the number one Amazon bestseller, Feel It to Heal It, and has worked with members of the Fire and Rescue, Police and Prison Services. Daniel is an international speaker and best-selling author. He's been working with Caroline since 2012. He's a father with purpose, and his mission is to inspire and motivate 75,000 fathers to embrace the practice so they can lead their children to have a life tool for stress management and can all live their best life. Really, really, really delighted to have you both join us today. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. It's great to be here. Absolute pleasure. Nice to meet you, I mean, David. Good. Great to see you. So you developed the uh, Total Release Experience after attending training in David Bercelli's trauma release process. What attracted you this you to this training in the first place? And had you always been interested in trauma? Well, that, that's a great question to start with because to answer the second question, not particularly. Uh, living in the UK, we were not great at addressing stress, never mind trauma. And it was one of my yoga students that told me about something that was going on actually in South Africa. And there was a whole story around that uh, complete synchronicity. And I ended up going to South Africa uh, to actually to visit my daughter for the birth of her first baby. And within that very week was a training with uh, Dr. David Bocelli. And uh, it was in the same area where my daughter lived. So it was actually, I kind of felt from questioning over the years as I've had, why did that lady in my yoga class, how did she hear about it? Why did she choose to tell me? And why did I choose to go out there and join 99 other people from around the world and actually leave very excited, having vowed that I was going to bring it back to the UK. So it was an exciting extension of the journey I was on at the time I was opening my yoga studio because I've always been interested in health and well-being and feel that for many, many years, as long as I can remember, I've always looked after myself and uh, transferred that into my teachings and it was exciting to bring back something that I had never heard of, nor had anybody else, uh, but to, to move forward with it. Thank you. That's a fascinating route you're describing uh, there. So can you tell us what is the uh, trauma release process? Well, uh, David Bocelli is, uh, I think, uh, uh, to be honest, I don't really know what, they are doing because I have been working uh, independently for some nine nine years of, of, of that now. And like all processes, they, they evolve and change and what have you, and people put their own mark on it. But um, the bottom line is what either myself, Daniel, in our process, or Bocelli and all of those that have followed his process, the focus is to help people in one way or another recover from the trauma that they hold in their body, from the impact of stress that they hold in their body. And we have different ways of delivering that process, if that kind of makes sense. But basically, it's uh, the bottom line is we all have the ability to release tension from our body, and it's important we feel that everybody gets that message. If I can just jump in there. Yes, um, well, how, our process is very much focused on a muscle at the core of the body. And this muscle is like a, one that we usually haven't heard of. I certainly didn't hear about it when I first started engaging with this. And it's a whopping great muscle called the psoas. 
um, it's, take it, well, you'll know it because you've done, but for those who are listening and have never heard of that, it's the muscle that holds our upper body to our lower body. It sits in front of the bone, behind the organs, sort of that external connection to it. It's very difficult to, to do. And um, there are great therapists who do great stuff externally, but um, because it's so embedded, it's um, difficult to access. And my, um, my mother has been very passionate about educating about this and enabling those individuals to, to sort of see this is a part of your body where every, all the stress and trauma you've ever gone into is being drawn into or drawing tension into that. And how do we get, get rid of it? Yeah, um, of course, we can join the very long queues to find somebody who's actually doing it. But while we're waiting, what, what can we do? Um, and the, how, we, how the process has evolved is led to us making, guiding individual or clients into making a conscious decision to activate the psoas. So we say thoughtfully activate the psoas, right? So T-A-P for short, thoughtfully activate the psoas. Now, the, we call it that because, um, you know, as, as, to, as the, in the psychology world that we learned, um, since the 70s, they all love to call us stress buckets. Yeah. And how do you empty a stress bucket? Yeah. Um, how are they all leading us in emptying stress buckets? Or many, we get into situations where we love to be turned upside down and take us by the feet and we're just, just like a bucket. Can you shake it all out? But it ain't going to happen. So we have to find a way. So what do we need? We need a big tap. Yeah. And the tap is to thoughtfully activate the psoas. And that's like a, the uh, process that we share. Yeah. To connect and, with and, and just to pop in there, Dan, and, and yeah. you know, and that's exactly right. The people might wonder, you know, why the psoas? Why is that important? You know, the psoas is our fight flight center. It's where we store fears and our emotions and it impacts our breathing because it's attached to the diaphragm. You know, and we have our first trauma, don't we? The day we're born, that startle response. And every stressful, overwhelming, traumatic experience continues to pull, 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 which is why we end up with all those problems that need releasing. Thank you very much. So... Did you have any problems when you first kind of encountered the uh, trauma release process that led you to adapt your own program? No, no problems in the sense, David. Um, language, of course, initially, but um, because in the UK, when you're talking about trauma, it's like, what? Don't even have stress because it's the old stiff upper lip brigade that we are here, isn't it? Um, but, you know, to me, it was evolving it, evolving it from experience, because I, I was into yoga anyway, and I was able to soon spot how tension impacted physical bodies, and particularly on the yoga mat, anyone sitting there with knees up in the air instead of cross-legged with the knees dropped down was a very in, firm indicator that there was tightness in the psoas muscle. And so it was then about engaging clients with the process. And from every person I saw, I thought, hang on a minute, not seen this before, not seen that before. And so I started very soon to realize that experience in this very powerful and empowering release process came from observations and working with individuals and that through that I have dedicated the last over a decade of my life I teach my yoga classes and of course we stopped for the COVID um, I, I was teaching online but of course and everything became online but for years it was around the country teaching workshops from Land's End to John O'Groats, basically, we went all over the place. And from every individual that I was front facing with, because I could never imagine any other way of doing it, I saw just incredible healings going on. And although the process itself is so simple, everybody that learned the process 
had their own backstory. And that was the where the power lies, how every individual will release in their own way, because like Daniel's described, you know, the stress bucket, what's gone in the bucket, how it comes out that bucket, as it does, is the body's decision. And it's absolutely fascinating. And it's still to this day, when I I read what clients are sharing or talk to them, you know, it's kind of, wow, that has really made my day today. And that's what gets, gets us out of bed in the morning. Caroline, can I just ask for people who've got less knowledge of anatomy than than you might have there's obviously there's a lot of discussion about the vagus nerve um around in um talking therapies these days how how does that part of the body relate to the psoas right so everything in our body mind and body is connected through our nervous system and when we go into fight flight we go into that tension and that tension strains our nervous system it's a bit like guy lines on a tent um, although we, you know, we give all the, the sciencey bit in our thing, my my experience over time is to explain it to people in a way they all understand. Yeah, so they get the stress bucket and all that. But the vagus nerve is uh, our nerve that when we're in that fight flight, it puts us into that not wanting to connect eventually with individuals. And we and that's one of the signs that you know yeah you know when your bucket's kind of getting a bit full there because you 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 pull back from society you don't want to mix with your friends. I had a a young university when I was working with individuals, young university student come, and she wasn't going out at all. She was developing social anxiety, you know. And after her second session, she came in and she said, you know what? I've been to the gym this week. That's the first time in ages, and that's wonderful. A doctor that we we connected with up, up uh, in Stoke, she worked in mental health. She came to two workshops, blown away by the process, not just for herself, um, but what it was doing for others. And she witnessed that in the workshops. But we had a con we had a communication, a conversation um, up there when there was a new operation that had come out. And for £12,000, I'll put something in that triggers the, the vagus nerve. And we both laughed because for 20 minutes on the floor, you can start to realign it yourself. And the fascinating thing is, although the psoas is attached to the hips, when people start releasing it, that's the gateway. And for some, they might say, well, I'm not feeling anything up here. Well, it doesn't matter because when they sit up, it's like, oh, I feel lighter headed. I feel more clarity. I feel happier. And when we feel happier, it's then we want to start to communicate and then we want to start to mix with others. So it, it directly, the nervous system is the magic. When we free that tension, we're pressing that reset, rebalance button. And that's key. Thank you. That's really, really helpful because I, I know that a lot of listeners will be more familiar with thinking about the, the vagus nerve. So it's helpful to have that context there. And I suppose the other question I wanted to ask you is, I think, if I'm right, are Bocelli's exercises mainly focused on the legs? And do you still mainly work predominantly with the bottom half of the body or are you using more of the whole body? OK, well, that's, that, that, that's a good question. I, I learned Bocelli's process or practice and it was a series of seven exercises. And I believe that's what they still do. Uh, as a yoga teacher, I saw the limitations of some of those exercises for many, many people. And over the years, work with people that have literally we've had to help out of a wheelchair, people that are so overweight because of their depression and, and what's going on for them and their trauma. And so they can't work in the way that I first learned. This is how you do it. And also working in prison, limitations on space. Right. So and as a yoga teacher, I thought we don't need these exercises. This, this is not what it's about. And in our program, we have five simple stretches. And the only reason we have the five simple stretches in is because it's for those that don't exercise, for those that are so locked in. And that's why I love the title of your, your, your program, your podcast. You know, many, many people are locked in and they're not aware of their body. 
and the muscles of their body. And one simple stretch will have them thinking, oh, I can feel that. And then when they get in touch weeks later and say, I've joined a yoga class or I'm loving the stretches, I'm doing them every day. Fantastic. They don't influence that the practice of releasing. Does that help? Yes, it did. Sorry, I was there's a gap because I was waiting for David to to follow up <laughs> with, which, with a question <laughs> that's a question that's cued quite nicely on from that. So I, I was thinking because clearly your experience as a yoga teacher is you know very much a presence in the work that you do. Do you think that makes the key difference between your approach and uh, Bercelli, who is more of a trauma therapist? Yeah, I mean, you know, Bocelli did great work in rediscovering what the body can can do, uh, and I applaud him for that. But I, I think yes, definitely, I come from a teaching background, and I come from a yoga teaching background, and a yoga teacher training background, and um, within that, I'm very body aware, and I'm very empathetic in terms of when I see how people move, I I will know what's causing their limitations and it, it's fascinating because the other week uh, one of my ladies that comes to yoga she's off now and again because got to have an osteo got to have a chiropractic treatment physio etc and I kept saying to her you know you have got the answer to heal all this finally because everybody in the class had done the program she she took it up and when she messaged through the journals that we we follow through with our clients with, I just had a big smile on my face because she said, well, I was able to put my cardigan on without any help. A simple thing. By freeing up the tension, what she'd been having treatment for for years. Just releasing some tension and she, she'd got it for herself. But I think, uh, you know, tying... Tying in that, yes, yoga definitely um, has given me something else to add to what it is. But I, I just want to take a jump back to adaptations because I'm pretty sure Daniel might want to add something there because you come from a different. When I'll tell my story a bit more um, a little bit later, but um, what I discovered once my mother shared this with me that I kind of hit my rock bottom and. Um, I, I just sort of didn't worry about any um, um, exercises prior to anything. I just laid on the ground, got myself into position, and my body was still sort of letting go. And I sort of uh, um, discovered, like, well, just, you know, what, what, what's, what is going on? But the beauty, beauty of it is I, I, my communication says the ultimate man's talk because it's simple, practical, easy to do. And even when we're feeling lethargic, can't even be bothered to get out of bed, we can do it in bed. And the world around us is just amazed with, hold on a minute, you're not being as aggressive or um, obnoxious or uh, um, um, rude or disrespectful like you used to be, you're sort of getting all calm and friendly and supportive. What's going on with you? Yeah, and um, it just like uh, amazes the transformations that we go that happen as a, a, a result of our um, just connecting with this physical practice. And, um, and also, sorry, Dan, go on, finish off. As I say, like um, like with the prisons, it's like the greatest. We, we shared in a men's prison. We want to talk about that a, a little bit more later. But it's just um, the, the men in there, they were, oh, come, yeah, why do we have to do this? Don't want to do it. Um, order a resistance, yeah. Um, we're supposed to, we've got to sit our time out and all the possible complaints that they can come up with. And when we started to share with them that you have, um, you have a, this amazing tool that you can do in your little cell, no matter whatever else goes on in this prison and in your life, it will enable you to uh, um, get in a better place. And these are some of the amazing things that happen. But there was a pure lack of belief that, hold on a minute, no, 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 I need an expert out there to fix me, to sort me out, to uh, to do. That's what the prison guards and officers and therapeutic people are here. I can't do this on my own. But then those uh, um, sort of found the courage to give it a go. They were kind of blown away by it and they they were shifting. And the comments from the uh, those around them were saying, what's happened to him? So that was like really cool. And another 
Um, another thing that you asked with the, um, the problems that you encounter. Now, we, uh, my mother's maintained a very high standard in that she's never wants this to be shown on YouTube because simply it's far too powerful. If we hear lots of stories of others sort of picking up like something or seeing it on YouTube and giving it a go, and then they come bawling to us because they've uh, suddenly discovered, hold on a minute, I remember that childhood abuse. I remember that um, my father having a, a, a moment of being up my mother or all the things that they suppressed that they thought they parked, it was coming back to the surface. And so we made sure in our process that we build comfort and trust in this own innate capability. And um, it's not just um, um, dished out there in, in, in an unhealthy way. Um, so, um, yeah. That's such an important point, isn't it? That of how much trauma is stored within the body and actually making a change to our body and new system can release something that actually might be too much for the person to deal with if they haven't got some source of support to be able to access. And I guess by rolling something out in a way where there's a named contact uh, within the within the context of a relationship is very different to sampling exercises on on YouTube where you are literally on your own if if that happens. Yeah. And coming back to David about you know the yoga context, yoga's about you know, holistic mind, body, soul. And one of the great discoveries in the years of working with individuals is just how much everyone opens up and starts to discover their own spirituality or connect, reconnect with their God. How nutrition becomes important, how their um, social engagement is enhanced, how their mental awareness is sharpened. So it does connect with all those six dimensions that are important to us all and makes life uh, a happier, more rounded um, place to be. So, so Daniel, how, how did you come to be involved in, in, in the Total Release experience? Have you got a background in... in a physical um, therapy as well or they do absolutely not no. <laughs> absolutely not I was uh, my story is I mean my mother's um, always been good in sharing yoga and she used to do head massage foot massage and I thought okay when I because I live I, li I was living in Germany when she was learning this I married a, a German German lady and um, we have three wonderful children I um, I was doing brilliant I was in a um, working in an organization and um, earning well or house and all of that everything perfect but purely like business focused stuff I managed to pull off my master's of business and you know like really on a path to success so I thought and um, so the only thing that I connected with physically was I used to work in a company that um, sold um, home fitness equipment so I was then keeping myself fit through working out and doing exercises and using what I was selling. So that was good. So, but then um, I was, as a father of um, father of three, uh, they, I thought, well, okay, Daniel, well done. You've ticked all the boxes. You managed to pull life off and you've done what you were supposed to do when you were, um, when you read about what does a man have to be in this, in the modern day at a time. Uh, so yeah, fantastic. So um, so what now? And as with the responsibility of the three children, I sort of think, okay, well, one thing I want to be is the best possible father I can be. Yeah, how, and um, started to look into that. And I watched a great film called Courageous that sort of talked about breaking the uh, um, ancestral chains and making a stand so you're not passing your trauma on to the next generations. And then uh, went on a course about being a great dad and learn all that and I thought excellent I'm stepping up that's what I'm going to be right and then um but at the same time I was connecting with a sort of men's coaches like Tony Robbins and um Les Brown and then Robert Kiyosaki was coming into it about uh, learning to be rich dad poor dad and all of that sort of stuff and I thought yeah now I know what I want to be I'm going to rise up and be awesome 
And so I stepped up and set myself up in a business that was really abstract and had, I just throw a couple of words in there, fish with Ecuador and um, in Germany. And uh, it went horribly wrong. I created a huge financial trough for myself. I asked um, asked my wife, who was like really seriously stressed and um, anxious about what I managed to to do. And I asked her, so what do you want? She said, I want you to move out. And I moved out of the house to give her space, but then found myself homeless, sleeping on a shop floor and feeling a complete failure. I had absolutely screwed, lost everything that I had. My wife was on a course for divorce and my three children, well, my eldest, Hannah, she'd uh, just been diagnosed a couple of months before with um, diabetes and um, type one diabetes. And like that poor girl, she had to step up in courage to um, inject herself with the insulin um, every day and like the my stress and trauma factors were were high yeah I was feeling like I was drowning my sorrows and cheap Aldi wine because I was living in Germany and Aldi's cheap there and um just depressed and there was one song that I learned on being a great dad so um that I heard was um a song by Harry Chapin called Cat in a Cradle perhaps you know it and it's got a bit of a tough verse. It's a real haunter for fathers is, is I'm going to be like you, dad, you know, I'm going to be like you. And there's me laying on the floor, sleeping on a shop floor. And that song haunting through me. I thought, how the hell am I going to get out of this? This can't be my end. Yeah, surely it can't be my end. It's all I've done so far brought me to this. And then I was reminded of my, something my mother shared with me a few months before. And I thought, well, I haven't got any money to go and get fixed. Um, the health service in Germany is brilliant, but um, I wasn't sick enough to uh, um, get their consultancy and all the rest of it. So I just started practicing practicing this. And step by step, I noticed, well, hold on a minute. I'm, uh, I want to get out there. I want to, I started doing things that I knew I could do before. Like I was a great waiter because uh, um, I think Naomi, did, are you at Nottingham Trent University? Yeah, well, yes, partly. Yeah, well, I studied there. That's where I did my BA Bachelor or International Hospitality Management degree. So uh-huh. um, I love Nottingham. And um, so I reconnected with what I learned there. And and then I started waiting and picked myself up there. And then I noticed, well, I'm getting more energy. And like an opportunity arose where all of a sudden I was teaching English to Germans. And um, I was teaching English to Germans and I'm not a trained teacher. I just knew a bit about business and they needed um, somebody who knew some business vocabulary and could explain it. So I taught them how to translate, yeah, because I'm bilingual in German and English, but never trained in translation, just worked it out. And so like my my brain was kicking into gear and doing things that I never been able to do before. And so I just, um, kept on doing that and I thought wow what's how is this evolving for me and how I was going through my divorce and all of that sort of stuff and the stress of life I thought this this is amazing what my mother shared with me this this is my purpose I've got to get um get behind her and support her and uh, um spread the word because this is this is transformational and so that's kind of how I've evolved got into the practice and then um but then I realized well okay, we don't need it so complicated. We don't have to get all intellectual about this. It's like uh, we men, certainly, yeah, and our children um, need something simple, practical, and easy to do, yeah, that makes a positive impact. So then I worked on, I came, moved back to England and um, um, supported mother doing workshops around the country. Yeah, and we traveled for miles and like seeing the, the amazing, amazing individuals and how they came with so much rubbish, so much stress and trauma and they're suffering in so many ways, completely hopeless or not not hopeless, but they're feeling without, they didn't know what to do or how to cope. And they were finding the courage to step up and listen to Caroline and be be guided by her. And then like when they're walking out, they were going, oh yeah, 
I've got hope. I'm on a mission. I'm going to go and spread the word with all my friends and uh, share, share, share. And it was like so rewarding to feel that. And like we, we said when we were out doing our workshops, we're just coming miracle junkies. Yeah, it's like uh, we were getting addicted to these amazing transformations that happened in such a short space of time. And thanks to Corona, we um, we couldn't travel. So um, I said, right, OK, good, because we can't do this face to face. I'm going to work out how to do this online. And um, um, Caroline, I mean, she, she's amazing. She's like uh, um, she should be in a retirement age. But look, the energy of her is like absolutely um, out of this world, right? So she's not, she's not trapped to saying, okay, Daniel, come on, I need to slow down. Rest. She's saying, come on, let's go, next level. We're going to progress, 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 right? And I, um, I um, managed to turn this all into an online course. And it's great because we can make an impact and share it with individuals all over the world, which is fantastic. And obviously, I managed to get clever with the with the numbers because like we ask questions to so we can support them better and they can test the uh, the whole process in their own way and sort of do a self-analysis okay come on then you think you've got something powerful let me say where I'm at now and let's test where I am a bit later and like the statistical transformations that we have there is like uh, phenomenal like uh, um Caroline can tell you about the uh, Christchurch University report or the amazing stories in her book, uh, Feel It to Heal It. But just through the statistics, you can see um, um, like the classical things that I think well, psychologists use to measure anxiety and depression, like GAD7 and PHQ9. And we're seeing just as a result of this physical practice, um, up to 50% improvement in what they said at the beginning to what they're saying at the end. And um, I mean, like you got you gotta um, make it widely available, and that's just sort of um, yeah, my my passion. As I hope it's coming across to um, um, to drive this forward, support my mother in the great work that she's doing, and ensure yeah, it carries on. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's a very uh, inspiring story anyway, a very powerful story, but you both come across as very passionate. And I think you're touching there on something that's really important about the fact that actually it's quite cost effective as a intervention. You know, when we know that, you know, there's literally hundreds of thousands of people, millions probably, experiencing um, the consequences of, of stress and trauma that actually when there's a way to address some of that that's that's fairly cheap relatively speaking and not all that time consuming either um it it seems like you have a bit of a duty to to share that absolutely well um, can, I, can i share a little bit about how we've evolved this program because we've we absolutely we think everybody should have the opportunity to learn this especially listening to your um it's a great uh, podcast that was listened to early earlier from kira miles and if the listeners haven't heard that one then listen to that one because it's powerful stuff is um is that the children need to know it yeah they're looking to us adults in how to recover from stress and the 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 big population is probably completely without idea on what to do. And we're all looking to the governments. We're all looking for um, the health the NHS to sort of somehow sort us out, fix us. And while we're waiting, I, we have the four, what I call the four S's. Firstly, we're suppressing. Yeah, um, suppressing in our alcohol, uh, smoking, our vaping. The technology is a great one to keep distracted with. Then if when we're suppressing, we end up becoming sick. And with a sickness, it's like, it's like stress-related. The rises in anxiety and depression, fibromyalgia and um, backache, neckache, shoulder ache, and all, all of that stuff that comes as a result of the work is on a is scaling. And then we have that, um, I what my, oh, suffer, that's it. <laughs> I nearly forgot my essence. Suffer, what do, um, we, we, we choose to suffer. We resign and say, oh, yeah, this is my life, I've um and share how horrible and terrible it is in the hope we're getting sympathy but then it's also like uh here miles is saying about life in prison and when we were sharing in prison others then choose to say well i'm going to make other people suffer yeah and then unfortunately and scarily especially amongst men um there's a huge scale of suicides rising so that's got to stop 
and we've made uh, made it as a big part of making sure that our word is out there we've created a program where we we want this to be shared with a million children a million children in the uk learning a simple practice will enable like problem well i believe a mental health revolution and to do that funny like it came to me in the middle of the night i said okay god so like you've brought me here you've taught me this i've done all this and now i'm here and what am i supposed to do with it and like the number of million children came to my head i said how do i share this with a million children he says well look up how many children in on average in secondary school this is another calculator was only two thousand schools and then we got a million children covered excellent so how do we get this to into two thousand schools well Schools have no money. And a couple of days before, I heard how they uh, they were uh, struggling for budgets to even pay the teachers, let alone anything else. So I thought, okay, no, it's not going to cost anything. But then what um, – but how, how do we finance this? Well, and the beautiful thing about Kira's um, interview, I got um, confirmed that I'm on the right line, is we need inspirational adults. Yeah, not telling them telling them what to do, that they don't do themselves, but actually stepping up and leading. And I said, well, yeah, I, okay, my personal goal is the fathers. That's why, it, as you announced me, it's like the 75,000 fathers. So for every school, that's 75 adults that pay 50 pounds and learn this process. And then they, we will train up a facilitator in that school so they can share it with the 500. So that's doable. I mean, when a school of 500, must be able to find 75 adults that are willing to find um, take a step and do something for themselves and be an inspiration. And um, so all of a sudden it came to me. And then so I'm, I'm on course to sure that my mother's word gets out there and uh, the youth of today do not have to suffer like we all have. Yeah, it's, and, it's interesting because um, I think mindfulness has been rolled out in primary school, certainly in my son's primary school, they did yoga regularly for a period of time and mindfulness and I think, I think education has really embraced those, those ideas so and actually you're talking about something that in some ways is, is perhaps a bit easier to grasp because there is something tangible and practical there a lot of people struggle with mindfulness don't they because it's it's it feels unachievable um at times to people i think whereas i think if you've given somebody a physical exercise to do that that's that can be simpler uh, for people to follow we, we have uh, we have worked in schools and um ironically I, I spent 17 years of my life in education and finished in a boarding school and children from a military background and the trauma that many of those experienced I mean I hadn't learned this practice then but I was teaching them yoga and I was teaching them um mindfulness for want of a but it's very hard it's very hard for adults because one of the things when that bucket gets full is like the head fog you know, they can't think clearly. There's no concentration or clarity. So getting them to sit there with their eyes closed, most of the time there'd be one eye open and then they'd start a ripple of giggles. And I mean, that was about it. But, um, you know, now to get this into schools, um, a sports teacher or somebody in charge of well-being or every classroom teacher, you know, come on, kids, let's shake off the week, lay on the floor, right? 20 minutes, job done. And the results from the school that we, in fact, I went back, I was invited back by a teacher that I didn't know. She wasn't there when I was there to that very school. And she sat there. We did a big workshop and she sat there with tears in her eyes. She couldn't believe what she was seeing and what she was hearing. And when children sit up, teenagers and they might have tears or, you know, they can be tears of joy as well as tears of releasing emotion. But actually to be sharing with each other and saying, gosh, I feel peaceful. I feel calm. I feel happy. I feel I've let go of something. It's that is the miracle of teaching children. And I said for a long time, it's not going to be adults that are going to lead this. It's going to be the children. It's going to be through the children. And Daniel's concept is fantastic because not only does it address the fact that parents have an opportunity to put something in to help these struggling children, which are, are in them thousands, but millions across the world. 
but they get something in return. They get the opportunity to actually discover how they can get let go of their own stress and be happier, more focused, life living, giving parents. But also within that, for 50 pounds, if money is an issue, then they don't have to pay for the full programme. And even then, as you said, you know, I, I know over years I've worked with people that have spent thousands of pounds around the world trying to get rid of whatever it is that's going on inside. And then they come to this and it starts to dissipate. So in itself is cost saving because once they've got the program, they've got a tool for life and nobody can ever take it away. And that's wonderful. Can you just say a bit about how a body focus technique such as this can impact so powerfully on emotions? Yeah, because back to the nervous system, you know, what 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 happens? You know, it's that that cycle, you know, we see, hear or experience, witness something. It can be, you know, somebody getting knocked down by a bus to a, being knocked off our own bicycle, you know, or being knocked sideways like Daniel was with I don't want to be with you anymore you know life happens and often it's beyond our control there are some things we can control but that that is the very essence of life and we've been gifted the tool we were born with it to be able to manage that but unfortunately it all got suppressed but it's if we if we go through something what happens is we evoke feelings you know, we feel that knot in the stomach. I mean, that is right in that solar plexus area that we feel that tension drawn in. And then with that, the mind starts chatting and all the negativity comes up. And I witnessed it a lot with children in school. It only takes a word from another child, particularly in a military boarding school, male dominated. I went there when they first took girls and it was a huge... Um, stress on girls to be the underdog and to be put down by the boys there was a lot of that but that hurt is in there and what does that do to their self-esteem to their self-belief to their voice and this happens to every child whether it's a parent that said something a teacher that said something a, a peer a, you know another child bullying in the playgrounds whatever and then what happens is the feelings build up and that builds either the anger or the tearfulness or the sadness. And when they start to release and that tension goes and the nervous system starts to realign, I mean, pretty much one of the first things, I feel happier. And when we feel happier, we don't feel emotion. We don't feel angry. And one of the important things, which, you know, we'll elaborate on a little bit, but the prison. Because when I heard the minister for prison some years ago, I'm the new minister for prison. I'm going to put X millions of pounds in because if I haven't got rid of the anger and the drugs problem, by the end of the year, I'll hang up my boots. And I just sat there and I said, well, hang up your boots. Because if you think money can get rid of those problems, you can't because they're locked in. Their trauma, I said, always said, get me into prison full of angry children. And when you get rid of the anger and the need then, when the cause is gone, you don't need the drugs. You don't need the alcohol. You don't need the overeating. And everyone kind of can at some point relate to that, eating the chocolate cake because I got a feel good factor because I felt unhappy. They're not solutions. It's like medication. It's sticky plaster. The problem's still in there. And so when the problem goes, the emotions start to balance out. One, one, whatever a group one's passionate about, one can bond and use this to build connection and support each other through the good times and the tough times. And, and look at looking to, we are at a phase now where we're looking to deliver our facilitator training so that those that have a speciality working with obese people, those that work with abused women, you know, or men or children or addicts or veterans, there's lots of groups that can bond through the process. 
interrupt you but it did it did occur to me as you were talking actually that uh, we're publishing a podcast this week with Naomi Fisher who works with families where the children don't go to school and there's 77,000 more kids not going to school since the pandemic and I guess a big factor for many of those kids will be anxiety about being in the school and I just wonder whether part of your outreach ought to be about targeting not just kids are in school because I think they're kind of like waiting lists for children's mental health services are over two years long which obviously is a big a big time frame when you're thinking about kids not being in in school um, and getting their education so I'm wondering whether part of the you know some one of the groups perhaps that you might usefully target might be the ones that aren't going to school brilliant yeah Uh, and and, you know children per se lockdown and covid has put them through something that none of us as adults can completely relate or imagine And if we're not going to have a broken society, it's already broken, but if we're not going to have a broken generation years up the line, then it's got to be fixed now. And and even in my book, it's like we have to break the chains for the children. Absolutely. Thank you. Great. Well, that's all very positive. Do you think there's anyone this shouldn't be used with? Well, I love that question because... When I started to see the body healing, I thought people would come to me and say, you know, I've got I've got cancer. I'm an amputee. I've had heart problems, brain tumours, stroke, Parkinson's, so on and so forth. And my reaction has been. Let's do it. Why would the body ever take you to a place of harm? You live in it. You know, we might be locked in it. But we have the key to the door. And I tell you, you know, for me, it's just been incredible. When I've been working online with a lady who had, oh, my God, I don't know how many brain tumours. Grew up with very narcissistic mother and impacted her all through her life. And she was probably, I think she was only in her uh, early 40s. And there I am watching her releasing on the floor. And her head shaking and everything. And she's had brain tumours and she'd give me the thumbs up. You know, I'd check her. It was her call. She loved it, what she got from it. I've worked with many that have had cancer. And three of them from my own community. One of them worked in the military school that I work with. You know, another was a teacher, but loved her yoga, came every week. And another was my daughter's friend who was only 40 that had bowel cancer, but she came to the yoga, but she had done the practice. All of them did the practice. And what I know, even if people are dying, it gives them peace. Right? They find that spirituality inside of them that might enable them to forgive from their life because, you know, when you your end is coming um, and it just puts them in a good place to end their life but Parkinson's you know the results are incredible when a lady came to yoga and said I've been told to come to yoga because I've got early onset Parkinson's and I'm looking online every week at uh, what what's going to come next for me and showing me her shaking hand and I said look my friend I'm great you're it's great you're here you're taking steps but I said there's two things you need to do read my book do my program I said, otherwise, you will be looking at that computer every week. You know, within three weeks, the very thing that they test, I don't know if anybody knows this, but it's always interesting to know something about Parkinson's. But one of the tests they do is they ask you to put your thumb and forefinger together and up and down, separate it 20 times. Nice big space. As a Parkinson's uh, patient, she got to five and then it was down to this. And when she came in two weeks later, she said, look what I did this morning. And there she was, which was wonderful. And her tremors have subsided. And now every week I see her and I'm always checking in. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm great. She said, I can't believe, you know, she never even got to have to tell her children. So whatever's going on. We, we, you know, a woman in a wheelchair that came to a workshop. Can I come and do your workshop? The doctor said to give you a call. And I said, what caused you to be in a wheelchair? 
a fire in the house. I had to jump from the top floor and my sister was murdered. And for years, her body was trapped by the fact that she was so angry about the loss of her sister and everything that happened to her. And we managed, I said, well, if that's the cause of you getting in it, you come to the workshop. And Daniel and I managed to put her in a position where she could start to release. And what a joy when that woman freed herself. And that was the start of her journey. So is there anybody? Of course, there are cautions always. And that's why we invite people with anything going on, you know, have a word with us. We will guide you as to how you can get the best from the practice. But if anyone says to me it's not for everyone, I will defy that actually it is. Because if you've got a psoas muscle, my friend, then you've got stuff going on in there. It's like the fire service. I always remember the first time I spoke to them. It's like, you're all tough buckets, but you can run and you can't hide. You give your fire engines more attention than you give your own body. You've got a psoas muscle. You've got tension in there and you need to release it. Great. Thank you. Can you tell us a bit more about the work you did with the uh, emergency services? Yeah, well, yeah, the, the fire service in particular used to come in, in groups uh, down to the yoga studio I was, which was great. And uh, we, we'd go and deliver some stuff, depends where they were located. But the language, with all the groups that we work with, our language is very adaptable. So whether we're talking to people that have been abused, whether we're talking to the police, whether we're talking to the fire service or the prison, we can switch it to their focus. And, and that, was, that was great. The very first trial workshop we did for the fire service, they brought in the wellbeing champions, the psychologists, the, you know, anybody and everybody that thought, yeah, right, what's all this? But the fascinating thing is, when you see all their bodies releasing on the floor, it's a wow moment. And when they sit up, and I remember one psychologist said, uh, well, I came here extremely sceptical. She said, but I've had neck pain for years and already it's feeling like it's almost not there. And, and that's the joy. And when you've got servicemen with tears in their eyes, you know, bringing up their emotions. It's nothing they've got control over because we spend our lives trying to control what's going on instead of just letting the body do the talking. We work with a, um, a research project with Cambridgeshire Police and we had to have a Zoom meeting after each week as they were going through the programme. But, you know, on week two, when an, a, an officer says, do you know what, I was running through the park and there was a group of six people and he said, I felt empowered. I said, you mean like you used to years ago when you first joined the police before you lost it all because your bucket got stuffed with all that trauma that you've experienced over the years in the service? And he said, yeah. And that, you know, that is why for the service sector, paramedics, police officers, you know, we've had many that have been suicidal, of course, or even gone through that. And it's taken them off the brink and they never go there again. Because as one described, it's like falling down a black hole. And when I did this, it was like somebody just picked me up and pulled me out of that hole. But as I say to all of them and everybody, not anything we do, we give you the tools. You have to be hungry enough to sort yourself out because nobody else can do it like you can. So service sector, you know, incredible results. And we've got a lot more work to do in that, that, those fields. It's great to hear that because I think there's quite often quite a macho culture to these organisations as well, isn't there? And Daniel, you alluded a little earlier to having worked in, in, in a prison previously. And I wondered if you could share something of your experiences of that and how, how it went down in a, in a prison. <laughs> that was a fascinating experience. The first time we walked into a, a prison is sort of somewhere, sort of, uh, why am I going here? <laughs> and like uh, walking in there with my mother and sort of in an extremely sort of macho environment, not knowing what, okay, what brought what, all these individuals in here? How do they behave? Yeah. And um, so yeah, not feeling particularly confident as a, as a guy to be able to uh, protect his mother in any, any sort of situation. But then it's... <laughs> 
but it was like fascinating. We um, the the the, the guys came along and we shared the process over six weeks to help them build comfort. We couldn't do our full presentations and help them really understand it because the time was always limited. But they were um, many were really open to, well, okay, good, I'll give it a go. Yeah, we discovered a lot of ways that <laughs> the prison had done a lot to try to steer them to uh, engage in something positive. But... Um, and those are really sort of said, well, actually, yeah, uh, I'm liking this. This is giving me power over um, over my situation, something I can look after myself in a um, in the cell and not wait for anybody else to give me permission. It's hugely for us men, especially, it's like a, such a great feeling to take a control and not be dependent on others and gain some sovereign sovereign sovereignty and uh, autonomy. And I like the there's such a um, if you those who get Caroline's book will see some great stories in there. And one to look out for is a guy called Marcus. He he um, he was like a complete mess when he first went when he first came to um, his first session. He was he was taking taking drugs. He uh, um, he was like physically well built muscly and um but he, he was just using it as an excuse but he sort of stepped up and went through the process and attended regularly and like he he opened up emotionally about what what went on for him and how he'd lost his daughter and um how his parents had died and how he came into that situation of um landing in prison and it was compensating for the parent the issues that his parents had his mother was an alcoholic and um, um, he, he was just couldn't cope with it. He had to find money. So he was selling drugs and got caught. And then that led, led him to be in prison. And he'd, he'd, even when he managed to complete one sentence, he'd go back out, do a crime, and he um, end up back in again straight away. So like that, he went through the pro went through it with us and just kept up the regular practice and now he's out and we met his probation officer and he was blown away by wow what a great mindset that this young man has developed he's engaging with life he's got a nice he's found a family to live with who sort of support him in that and um and um he's never been out of prison longer than a year before in the rest of his life so it's like so rewarding and there's lots of beautiful stories that you know we could go on for hours but um yeah i'm just going to share, share one little one if, if i may but the second week of a course there was one man there from up north first week it was like oh this yeah i'm into all of this sort of thing you know does his release with the rest of them and then the next week comes back and he's very angry and he started to, to direct his anger at Daniel because he, he said, you two, I dealt with all my stuff. He said, now it's all come back again. And I, he, I let him go so far. And then I just said, look, you know, OK, so that's why we're here. Actually, you haven't dealt with it. You'd suppressed it mentally and found or given the tools to just block it. Now your body's released it. Do you know the joy to cut that story short was on the last week, instead of joining in the session, he's sitting in the corner with his colour pencils and paper. And I thought, what on earth is he doing? And he, he gave us the most, all the guys went up to him afterwards. And then he came up at the end and he shared, you know, the one thing about this, I realised as I was healing, the worst I was feeling, the better I was getting. And that is a mantra that we give all our clients. Remember, the worse you're feeling, the better you're getting. Feel it to heal it. But, you know, on that card, there was that front, the rainbow, you know, that little verse, everyone wants happiness, no one wants pain, but you can't have a rainbow without a little rain. And they all wrote such a beautiful message on that card. And you think, here we are in a men's prison. They're in here for all sorts. And yet that joy of knowing that that's another life, another group that's changed and they will never be the same again because they've got rid of their past. 
in here that the passion for helping people move on and change their lives for the better uh, is a real real reinforcer for you there Caroline it's a very touching story and aside from incorporating releasing into your routine is there any other advice you'd offer to listeners about how to protect their emotional well-being as a yoga teacher I've only ever done yoga I would be what I would classify as a tough bucket and when I always remember the first day I, I released in, in South Africa I cried and cried and cried and cried and I thought don't know what that's about but I soon worked out later on that probably all the tears that I never shed because I was the tough bucket that looked after everybody else. That was just the way life was. People would always come to me with their problems. And, and there are many people out there like that. I've met them and they store it inside and they think they're OK. But actually, they'd keep themselves busy by not acknowledging any of that. And I was always busy, always doing, you know, my aunt used to call me a whirling dervish here. But I mean, I loved my life and never thought that I was masking anything. But so that that was that healing. And so therefore, yes, I have been releasing every week for 11 years. It's my go to thing. I've been teaching yoga for 30 years plus and I love my teaching. You know, whatever sort of day I've had and my days change because instead of out and about, I sit here talking to people, you know, writing emails, answering journal questions and all sorts and creating with Daniel. So the six dimensions are all important. Nutrition's important. You know, exercise is important. And there's lots of things. I created a lovely pack of well-being cards in COVID after the book. 31 activities, you know, they were great, unique things. So from fun for one of all the family, but pull a card. What does it say? Oh, nature. Go out in nature. Music. Go and put on some music. But actually giving people that tool to do for the day is getting them to do something, even if it's step out their comfort zone. Go and dance. Go and sing. Go and talk to somebody. And I've had people come back to me and say, I got talk. And when we went for a walk today, you know, a few of us, I actually made the effort to talk to the lady I was walking alongside. Somebody got, um, you know, uh, clutter. And she said, I cannot believe my office has been such a mess for years. That one card. And at the weekend, I cleared my office. And what a great feeling. You know, it, sometimes we need to be told but it's having that healthy, rounded, and when you release, all of those things become natural. But if you haven't released, you know, make that effort to do some exercise, to talk to people, to eat properly, and to breathe, because breath is key. Daniel. Thank you. Yeah, oh, I'd just like to add there, and I mean, David, that um, I completely agree with Caroline with the, with the bucket love cards, we call them. And um, just picking of those and my favorites in there is certainly breathe and connecting with my breath. I realize, you know, like just naturally breathing is sort of is there. OK, but when you get stressed and it's building up, we kind of don't um, we don't breathe properly. You're too shallow and like learning how to actually take those deep breaths and all the different exchanges. It frees up and brings calm in a beautiful way. I can and getting out there and connecting with our bodies. We live in our bodies, and so much in the in the world is very much focused on the headspace, what you're thinking, how you're thinking in it. But if we don't look after our bodies, it doesn't matter how brilliant we are in our head, it's gonna it's gonna cut us short, and uh, we're gonna get stuck. So get some exercise, pay attention to what we're eating, and. Um, yeah, and if we can't find a higher find a higher purpose in looking after ourselves, then regard what we're being an inspiration for the next generation. Yeah. What would you want them to do? Yeah. And so that not tell them do what I say and not what I do, but lead them in that. And that's kind of where we've uh, um just sort of to close from us, it's like with the with the school um initiative, I set it up so everyone can do a seven-day trial. So all they have to do is sign, sign up and say, yeah, all right, I'll give it a go. What's all this about? And embrace the simple practice with a little educational video so no one's just jumping into um, something they don't know what they're doing and why they're doing it. 
Um, unfortunately, my mother couldn't afford a very good um, photo model for things, so I ended up doing a lot of it. Um, but anyway, this is how it positively impacted me for me stepping up way out of my comfort zone. Um, and then, and if they then say, well, you know, this is great, I'd love for the young, young ones to learn this, then they can subscribe to the 50 pound and then they get the, um, the course and um, the introduction course. And if they say, yeah, okay, this is great. I can test it for a month. That 50 pounds through gives our suffering that we've gone through a purpose because that will lead to young ones in the future not having to go through that. And like 75 adults in their little community, parents of a school or those who want to sponsor a school or whatever through their own activity will enable 500 plus to, um, to um, not get trapped like we got trapped. So we are leading by example. And anyone with a great story about uh, how terrible their lives have been and traumatic and all of that, then they can use this practice to start turning it around. And that'll be an inspiration for everybody else. Because just like um, my story, I managed to screw up, but now I, one of the great, greatest feelings that I have to share is when your children, especially your son, who's my son's just turned 17 today, he says to you, Papa, you're an inspiration for the next generation. And I said, look, Jacob, this is what I'm thinking with this million, one million children. He says, Father, I believe in you. And like for that feeling to have, and all I'm doing is like rising up to the stress and releasing it, letting it go, keep making progress, healing from recovering from the past and engaging with the, what comes in the future. So I hope with that, we motivate and inspired those individuals to at least give it a go. Thank you. It's been a brilliant conversation and we'll share links to your programme in our show notes so that any listeners are able to check that out and find you. Thanks very much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to join you and we're so grateful of the opportunity of sharing our message because it is all about choice. People now know they have another choice when they think they've tried everything. One thing left to go. I think people really enjoy listening to it. And I think also, you know, we're obviously embarking on more austerity. So in terms of addressing the masses of stress and trauma within society, you are offering something that's quite a cost effective way of managing to, to help people. So thanks very much. Oh, thank you. 